0: Once again, it's good to see you here tonight. We appreciate you coming. We realize that you could be other places doing other things. But uh, once again, I think you've chosen a good thing, and that is to come together with the people of God to be able to worship and serve God together. You encourage me, at least, by your presence this night, and I know you encourage others as well. It's so good that we can come together to honor and praise and glorify God and strengthen and edify and build each other up. I enjoy being with John and Glenda tonight, and uh, it's such a joy to be able to sit in top of those whom you love and have great respect for. And, uh, food was absolutely delicious as every place I've been this week, and so I I appreciate that so very much, and the kindness and hospitality, and for all the nice things that you've had to say at the end of services, and I appreciate that so very much. It encourages an old fellow like me to continue to press on, and I appreciate that so very much. And, uh, you know, I, I want to preach as long as I possibly can. I'm uh, kind of like Brother McKee, Odd McKee. When I was in Nashville, I talked to Odd one time. Odd was in his 80s. And uh, he stepped down from local work, and he said that he was afraid that they wouldn't ask him to step down, that he didn't do a good job, that they wouldn't say anything to him. He said, so I'm just going to hold meetings from here on out. And, he said, I know if I don't do a good job, he said, they won't ask me back. So uh, that's, that's kind of how I feel. If they don't ask you back, you realize that you probably didn't do too good a job. And maybe it's time to move on. And, uh, uh, but uh, I appreciate the, you know, the opportunity to come and to, to be able to, to study with you throughout the week. We want to continue our studies of talking about a heart tonight. But tonight we want to look at a married heart. And really what's said within the scriptures concerning that. Back in the book of 2 Chronicles, and we looked at this, I think it was last night or night before, I guess night before. He said, on the 23rd day of the 7th month, he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of heart, for the good that the Lord had done for David, for Solomon, and for his people, Israel. You remember in the first part of chapter 7 here, the temple had been completed, the sacrifice had been consumed, And God had filled the temple, and now Solomon sends them away. And he sends them away to their tents, and of course he says that they had a joyful and glad heart. How would you describe yourself? Do you describe yourself as a person who has a joyful and glad heart? Do you realize that we have, and we've noted this from night to night, that we have a lot to be thankful for? We have a lot to appreciate God for, for the things that he's done for us in life. Physically, yes, but above that the spiritual blessings obviously that we have in Christ Jesus And we'll think about that a little bit as we get a little bit farther into the lesson But you realize and John and I talked a little bit about this before services There are some things that we're not to rejoice in I want to suggest at least two of those things to you There's a number of things obviously that we can look at but this will cover Uh, quite a few of the things uh, as we look at these uh, two together and, and think a little bit about them. You know, one of the things that we should never rejoice in is the misfortune of others. Regardless of how we may feel toward the person that has the misfortune in life, the Lord tells us not to rejoice in those kind of things in our life, not to find joy in those. He said, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. Now, let me just stop there. Surely you don't mock those who are poor, do you? Do you look down your noses toward those maybe that are less fortunate than you are? You know, we live in a society today when there's a lot of people that are in a lot worse financial condition and state than we are. Most of us have plenty, and we have an abundance. And actually because of the poor, you know, Jesus said we always have the poor with us. And as a result of having those that are poor, we have an opportunity to honor God. We have an opportunity to do good to those who may be in need. We may find ourselves sometimes in need. We're certainly not exempt from having uh, money, loss of money, and various financial hardships in life. You know, I've seen numbers of Christians sometimes have financial difficulty. Sometimes it may be because of sickness, a loss of job, or any number of things that that could happen to. But here he said, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker reproaches his God. But he said, he who is glad at the calamity, the calamity that comes upon somebody else, he said, will not go unpunished. God will remember that. You know, God's not like us. He has a long memory, doesn't he? He doesn't forget things. You know, I have a tendency to forget things, but God doesn't. God remembers those things. And so we have to make sure that we don't rejoice when calamity comes upon someone else. What about if that person that calamity comes upon happens to be your enemy? Do you rejoice in that? Well, I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't. And the Lord tells us not to. And so we should rejoice in the misfortune of others. In Proverbs 24 and verse 17, he said, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. He said, And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. And you may sit there and you may see your enemy stumble or you may see that he fall. And you may think in your your mind and in your heart, he deserved that or she deserved that. That's not the attitude for us to have, even toward our enemies. You know, one of the things that Jesus said, you remember, in the New Testament, he said to love your enemies. Is that hard to do? You know, that's a difficult thing to do. It is to love those who are considered our enemies. Now, he doesn't tell us to have tender affections toward our enemies. The word love there in that particular text in Matthew 5 is the word Greek word agape. And it's a benevolent type love that you're willing to help and aid and to assist even a person that might be considered our enemy. And we certainly do not rejoice when our enemy falls. It's pretty easy for us to do, though, isn't it? And so we have to guard our hearts against rejoicing in the wrong thing. Do not let your heart be glad when that happens or when that occurs to our enemy. And so we have to make sure that we don't rejoice in the misfortune of others. If we have the proper love toward God, love toward the truth, and love toward our neighbor as we should, as the Bible teaches us and in instructs, then certainly it's not going to find any pleasure in sin. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13 in verses 6, He said does not rejoice in iniquity. Finds no pleasure uh, pleasure in others that find pleasure in iniquity. Or even in iniquity in our own lives. We don't rejoice in that. We don't find pleasure in that. But he rejoices in truth. He rejoices in the fact that people love the truth. And people will submit themselves to the truth. We want to submit ourselves to the truth as well. And certainly do not want to find any pleasure in sin. You can always remember what was said of Moses. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Sin bring pleasure? Sure it does. Is that why it's so appealing? That's one reason that it's appealing, is it? But it also has consequences as well. So love finds no pleasure in sin in our own lives, and certainly not in the lives of other people. But it rejoices in truth. In 1 Kings 21, verses 7, we can can see this illustrated. He said, Then Jezebel his wife said to him, Uh, this would be Ahab, he said, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat, and let your heart be cheerful. He said, I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. See, he wanted Naboth's garden. Naboth wouldn't sell it to him. Jezebel says, I'll take care of that. She did, didn't she? One of the things that they did was that they had a feast for Naboth. Had unprincipled and ungodly men come in, and they actually lied about Naboth. Said that he had blasphemed God and the king as well. And, of course, they took him out and they stoned him. But here Jezebel says, you go ahead and let your heart be cheerful, regardless of the fact of how you got Naboth's vineyard or Naboth's garden. Rejoice in that? that bring him pleasure? Well, he liked that, didn't he? But did it go unpunished? Did God have a long memory? Did he destroy both? Jezebel and also Ahab, both of them. And so there are some things that we certainly should not rejoice in. The pleasures of sin would be another. But now let's think for just a little bit about the good that a merry heart does for us. Do you think it's good medicine for us to be happy? To find joy and contentment even in life? Is that good medicine for us? You know, sometimes at Hickory Heights before Bible study, I just stand up front. Maybe it runs a little past time to start and I just stop and listen to everybody for a little bit. You ever done that? David, you ever do that when you're teaching class? Just stop and listen to everybody. It's amazing to me. Everybody just talking, laughing, you know, sharing stories together, I always find that encouraging and a good thing. I usually tell them, I said, well, let's stop for a little bit and let's study. And then after service is over, you can pick up that conversation where you left it off. You know, a merry heart does us good. There's a lot of good associated with happiness and joy. Now, first of all, though, I want you to think of the opposite of happy. What would be the opposite of being happy? Anxiety. He said anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. You know, anxiety can make us sick, physically and spiritually as well. And so we have to guard our hearts against anxiety in our our lives. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this concerning this verse. He says, as is well known today in the fields of medicine and psychology, anxiety can weight a man down, literally cause a man to bow down or depress him. He said an empathetic, kind word, however, can give an anxious, depressed person support and can cheer him up. And it can cheer him up. When I first started preaching in 1980, sometime shortly after that, I decided I was going to quit. I was extremely down and depressed a little bit because of thing's not going just like I thought they should be going, And so I just decided that, you know, it's just best for me to do something else. And so on Monday afternoon, we were at the house and I was still working a full-time job as a mechanic at that time. And there was a car rolled in my driveway. They came to my door and they knocked on my door and it was a... Member of the church in Chapel Hill. They knocked on my door. And they said. uh, You know we could tell that you were a little down. Yesterday. Boy I was more than a little down. And they just wanted to come over. And sit and talk with me. And they sat down and they talked with me for a long time. You know what happened. When they left. I was more determined than I guess I'd ever been. That I would never ever quit. Preaching the gospel. But it was those words that those two individuals said to me that encouraged me and picked me up and took away any anxiety of heart or depression that was in my heart that night. We need people like that, don't we? And you and I can be that kind of person as well. We can be that person that can say something to someone and encourage them and lift them up and strengthen them by a good word and can make one's heart glad. See, anxiety can destroy us, and we have to be careful that that's not the case. You know, a merry heart, there's an outward expression that it shows as well. He said a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. It's the outward appearance that the cheerful heart sometimes shows as well. In the Bible Knowledge Commentary, it said inner joy shows on a person's face. John, now, we're talking about that this evening. I I look out in the audience and I can't really see what you look like too much from here down. I can't see your expressions and your smile if you're smiling or what? Or a frown if you're frowning. I was at Walmart not too terribly long ago and I rounded the corner and almost ran over a young lady. And I said, excuse me she's a person that I didn't have for her to, she didn't have to take down her mask for me to see her smile. You ever seen someone like that? It showed in her eyes. I could see that in her eyes. And I told her that. I said, well, I can see your smile without your mask being down. I said, you're smiling. And she was. She had such a cheerful countenance. And it seems to me that this kind of person would be the person that would uplift others. And we see lots of people like that. He said, but inner grief or heartache depresses a person's morale and crushes the spirit. Happiness and depression are issues of the heart. What a person is inwardly has more lasting impact on his emotional state than do his circumstances. Now, look at that very carefully. What a person is inwardly has more lasting impact on his emotional state than do his circumstances. What you are inwardly, you can still be and have a very heart in spite of the circumstances that you face in life. He said some people hold up under difficult circumstances better than others because of inner strength. See, it's because of inner strength that I can have a merry heart in spite of the circumstances that I may find myself in. In spite of all the things that I may have to deal with. I can still find reasons to rejoice and to be happy. And so we see the good that comes from a merry heart. In Proverbs 17, in verses 22, he said, A merry heart does good. He said, Like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. It's good medicine. Adam Clark said, He said, Nothing has such a direct tendency to ruin health and waste out life as grief, anxiety, fretfulness, bad tempers. He said, All these work death. And they do. But a merry heart does good, like medicine. As I was studying, restudying this lesson today, I happened to think of something that said back in the book of Ecclesiastes. Would you turn there with me for just a moment in your Bible? This is not on the screen. I want you to notice something. It's in chapter 11 particularly, but in chapter 12 as well. You know what chapter 12 verses 1 says? He said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Good advice. He said before the difficult days come, and he identifies the difficult days in the next several verses. But I want you to back up just a little bit. And I want you to notice verse 9 of chapter 11. Look what he tells young people to do. What's the first word in verse 9? Rejoice. Does he begrudge us enjoying life and rejoicing in life? Not at all. There was a young lady that obeyed the gospel several years ago. And after she was baptized into Christ, she came to me sometime later and she said, you know, you can be a Christian and still have fun, can't you? (laughs) Do you know what her concept of Christianity was? Her concept of Christianity was that once you obeyed the gospel, that eliminated all fun. No, it doesn't eliminate all fun, does it? He doesn't eliminate the fact that we can rejoice and we can find joy in the simplest of things in life and appreciate those things. So he said, rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But, he warns him. He said, but know this. For all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now drop down to verses 10. There are three R's here. I have a sermon along this line. The three R's that he speaks to the young people. Then he said, therefore, remove sorrow. Rejoice, remove, and remember. Remove the things that can cause sorrow in your life. Sin. Love and serve God. Be faithful to God. But you can rejoice in life. And we should find much to rejoice about and much to have a merry heart about because of who we are, because we're the people of God. There's a lot of reasons for us to rejoice or to be happy in life. And the Bible tells us several of those things. One thing is because of the great things, and I left out a word here. I'm sorry about that. I caught that today and I couldn't come back and change it on your computer. I could change it on mine, but not yours. Because of the great things done by the Lord. And he's done a lot for all of us, hasn't he? But look in Psalms 126. Now, it seems to be the setting of this particular psalm is talking about when they returned from Babylonian captivity. Because that's what's under consideration here. He said, when the Lord brought you, uh, brought back the captivity of Zion, they were in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. He said, we were like those who dream. It almost seems like a dream that we've left Babylonian captivity and we've reoccupied the land. He said, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. He said, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is what the others said about them. And then he says, the Lord has done great things for them, but the Lord has done great things for us. They recognized that the Lord had done those things for them as well. He said, and we were glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. It seems as they were sowing that there was not much thought about reaping. That the circumstances were not very good for reaping, but now they are reaping shall doubtless come again with rejoicing and bringing his sheaves with him. Look what God has done for us. We've been freed from Babylonian captivity. They've been able to reoccupy the land, how God had blessed them. The only reason that they found themselves in that condition to begin with was because of their sins. Because they had rejected the Lord. They lived in cities that they did not build. They would drink water from wells that they did not dig. He warned them concerning that. He said, beware lest you forget me and forget what I have done. And that's exactly what they had done. And they had turned to idolatry. But now they're coming back to the land and they're able to rejoice. And their hearts are filled with merry and gladness. Because as they think about what the Lord had done for them. Think of what he's done for us. Of all the things that we receive from his bountiful hand. Day in and day out. The beauty of creation. Several have mentioned this in their prayers this week. I appreciate that so very much. And what a blessing it really, really is. Of all the things that God has done for each and one. You know, I love my son and I love my daughter-in-law. But when they brought those three little grandkids into this world, man, I didn't know you could love that much. They are fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Those of us who are grandparents, you, you, you know where I'm coming from with this. We go see the kids, the kids tell us that we didn't come to see them, they, we came to see the grandkids. That's not too far from the truth. <laughs> But what a joy that is. What a joy to share your life with other people. What a joy it is to be able to be with the people of God, to worship and serve God. People of like faith. Boy, I enjoy that so much. I enjoy being able to spend time with those who love the Lord. It encourages me immensely. Great things that God has done for me. Reasons to rejoice. Deliverance and mercy. All of us have been delivered from the bondage of sin, set free if we have been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Psalms 31, verses 7 and 8, he said, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. And said, You have known my soul in adversities, and have not shut me up in the land uh, in the hand of uh, the enemy. You have set my feet in wide places. You've made deliverance possible. Psalm of David. You think about how many times that God had delivered him. Did God deliver Goliath into David's hand? Did he kill Goliath? Do you think he could have done that without God's help? I don't think so. You know how old David was? I think I probably told you this Sunday, or maybe I didn't, I don't know, I, I forget things. So Lessons have a tendency, to me at least, to run together. He was 15, about 15 years old, when he kills the giant. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. How many times was he delivered from Saul? Was he delivered from his own son Absalom? Was he delivered from the Philistines? Any number of things that we can see on various occasions that God was with him and it showed him mercy and deliverance on numerous occasions, just like he has us. I've often wondered sometimes in driving just up ahead of you was a wreck or right behind you was a wreck. I just wonder sometimes for the providence of God how many times that you and I have been delivered from adversity in our lives because of his love, mercy, patience, and his great providence around us. Reasons to rejoice. There's a message that rejoices the heart as well. He said how beautiful upon the The mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace and who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation and who says "Design your God reigns. And go ahead and read the next verse as well. And I'll make some comments. Paul said, he said, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings of good things. Someone who is sick in your death, and you tell them of the great physician that can heal them. Is that wonderful news to them? That's wonderful news. Isn't it? The person that's been overtaken in sin, and you speak to them of the forgiveness that is offered through the blood of Jesus Christ. How encouraging it that, that is to them to hear that. The message is called the gospel or good news of peace. And who bring glad tidings of those things. All of us can do that. All of us can take the gospel to those that are lost and in sin so that people can be forgiven. The good news of telling people that God loves you and cares for you regardless of what you've been, what you've done, God wants to redeem and to save you by the blood of the Lamb. And what rejoicing that causes in the lives of individuals. Phil Morgan and I were in Chisinau in Moldova several years ago. It's the only time that I ever went over there in the summer. We were there in June. And we stayed in an apartment that was less than favorable by American standards, obviously, but it was sufficient to get us by You could go in our kitchen and you could turn the water on and you could get just a little little drip of water. That was all you had. No hot water at all. Just a little bit of cold water. And that's all we had. We were studying with a lady who wanted to be baptized into Christ and there was a stream back behind or a pond like back behind. so. We thought, well, that would be easy enough to take her back there to baptize her. Oh no, she didn't want to be baptized. She said, that's dirty and nasty. So, the only thing that we knew to do was, is to try to run enough water and catch it and put it on the stove and heat it and baptize her that evening. We started early that morning. Took us all day to run enough water to put in the bathtub. She was a petite lady. To get it lukewarm so we could baptize her that evening at 5 o'clock. She confessed her faith in Christ. We baptized her in water for remission of sins. And when she came up out of, when I lifted her head back up out of the water, she put her hands up over her face and started weeping profusely. I really didn't know why she was crying. And she was saying something. Sergey Kortomara, who was there, who spoke English fluently and obviously Russian, I asked Sergey, I said, what, what is she saying, Sergey?" And she was crying and weeping because she said, I cannot believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. Well, you're talking about humbling. That's humbling. She's still faithful to this day. Does my heart good. You know, sometimes you wonder why you're in certain places. The Lord will show you sometimes. This is why you're here. To do my work. We have a lot to rejoice about because we have God's mind revealed to us. He spoke to us. And he tells us what he wants us to know, how he wants us to live. We have reasons to rejoice because of the reception of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brings us joy when we see people obey. In Acts eleven chapter and verses twenty three, this is Barnabas who is sent to go to Antioch. He said, and when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. What a great man to see. He was called the son of encouragement. And that's exactly what he was. He was a son of encouragement to them. He went there. He was glad and could rejoice of what he saw. He saw the grace of God. How can you see the grace of God? You see the results of it in the lives of individuals. That's how you see it. You see how it's changed them. How it's changed them from sinners to people who are saved. Those outside the kingdom to those that would make up the kingdom. And so there's the rejoicing over the reception of the gospel. In Acts 13, verses 47 and 48, this is Paul and Barnabas. You remember they told the Jews that we have to proclaim or proclaim the gospel to them first. But since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, then lo, we turn to the Gentiles. He said, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord often wonder exactly what he meant by this idea. That they glorified the word of the Lord. Do you know what he's talking about here? <clears throat> he's talking about this previous verse here that was quoted from the book of Isaiah. They glorified in the fact that the word of the Lord said that they could be saved just like the Jews could be saved. They were thankful for that. Do you see what Paul was doing to those Jews? He used the very words that they were supposed to believe in to point out that God wanted those Gentiles saved just like them. That's the reason he quotes from the book of Isaiah. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now when he says as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, It doesn't mean that God had already selected those that were going to be saved and those that are going to be lost. But those that were appointed to eternal life would be those that would believe. Those that would submit to the commands. If they would do that, then those were the ones that he appointed to have eternal life. If we will obey him and serve him and love him and be faithful to him, then you and I have been appointed to eternal life. It's been promised us. And God cannot lie and tells us that we'll receive it. Well, let me suggest something else to you. and I should be able to rejoice because where our names are written. Our names are written in heaven. In Luke 10 and verses 20, he said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this because the demons were subject to them. That's what they were rejoicing in. Because of the power of the spirit that had been upon them. He said, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. How many places do you know in anybody's book? Is your your name mentioned in anybody's book? I dare say that my name's probably not written in anybody's book that I know of. And really, does that matter? That nobody has mentioned me in any of their writings? That really doesn't matter, does it? But you know, this is important, isn't it? And I can rejoice that my name is recorded in heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what I should find To rejoice in. Because the Lord has put it there. Well, I understand he can blot it out. I know that. You know that too. But we ought to be able to rejoice because our names are there. In Revelation 21 and verses 27, he said, But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's who's going to be able to go there. And for that, you and I should be grateful and thankful. Would you like to look at that book? Would you like to scroll down through those names and see, well, there's my name there. Now that's reason to rejoice in Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. A.W. Tozer said, No man should desire to see uh, to, or to be happy who is not at the same time whole. He said he should spend his efforts in seeking to know and to do the will of God and leaving to Christ the matter of how happy I shall be. And that's true. And that's what we should be striving always to do. And so I have a lot to rejoice about. Now let's think as we close the results of a merry heart. You know, if I'm happy and have a merry heart, do you know where I'm going to go as a child of God? I want to go to the house of worship. I love this verse. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, I'm convinced that some people have just enough religion to make themselves miserable. Would you agree with that? You know, to them I think that it's drudgery to serve the Lord. But it's not that to those that love the Lord. It's not to to those that have a merry and happy heart that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They're glad when it comes time to go to worship and serve God. They want to be there. You know, if there's one thing that COVID-19 taught me, and that's how much I miss being together with the people of God and worshiping God like we're worshiping tonight. That's one thing that taught me. Sylvia and I obeyed the gospel in 1974, in April of 1974. And since April of 1974, I missed one service on purpose when I was young in the faith and didn't know any better. And I regret that. I'm always happy, aren't you? I know you are. You wouldn't be here. This is the cream of the crop, isn't it? I'm glad. See, that's the result of a merry heart. In Psalms 42, verses 1 through uh, through 4, he said, as the deer paints for water brooks, so paints my soul for you, O God. Just as a deer would be thirsty and want water and desire water, so my soul pains for you. I desire you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He said, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? This may be what they say, their enemies may say. He said, when I remember these things, he said, I pour out my soul within me for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. That's where I want to be. See, that's the result of having that merry heart that's been forgiven and redeemed. He said, we want to come together as the people of God. Second, I'm going to worship when I come together as well. In Psalms 9, verses 1 and 2, he said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous words. I will be glad and rejoice in you. And I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. See, if I have this merry heart that I'm going to assemble with the people of God, and I'm going to worship. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to be faithful and loyal to you. James 5, and verses 13, he said, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Wanting to praise. Wanting to honor. Wanting to glorify. And wanting to serve you. And really, as long as I live, until i take my last breath i want to honor and praise and worship and serve my god i will sing to the lord as long as i live i will sing praise to my god while i i have my being may my meditation be sweet to him i will be glad in the lord Psalms 104 verses 33 and 34 as long as i live as long as i can take a breath and as long as I can walk in this building, or as long as I can worship and praise him, even in my private worship and devotion, I'm going to do that. Gerald, I hope you don't mind me saying this, and I'll apologize to you to, to begin with if I offend you. I don't mean to do that at all, and I wouldn't do that. Gerald's dad, Cleo, had a brain tumor on the base of his brain. He had that removed. And I still remember him doing everything that he possibly could to make his way in that building to worship his God. And he did that till he just couldn't go anymore. Now that's what I remember about terrible day. That's the kind of man he was. As long as he could go, he did. What about us? Do you know why he did that? Because he loved the Lord. That's why he did it. And there was nothing that he was going to allow to stop him from worshiping and serving God. What a great legacy somebody like that has left behind for us. What a great example. As long as I can. There are seven things I think that will help us to have a merry heart. One is, if in sin, seek God's forgiveness. Sin troubles us, separates us from God, causes anxiety in people's life. Always seek the spiritual over those things that are material. Don't ever allow the material things to dominate your life, but always seek those things that are spiritual. Learn contentment, as we talked about last night. Be content with the things that we have. Praise God and be thankful for what we have. Don't allow others to control you. Share with others. Be grateful always. And be optimistic. And I think these things will go a long ways toward helping us to be cheerful and happy and have a merry heart. And I hope that's what you have a desire to do. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, seek for happiness and you will never find it. He said, seek righteousness and you will discover you are happy. He said, it will be there without you knowing it and without you ever seeking it. There's what we need to see. Seek righteousness and we'll find ourselves happy and contented because we're loving and serving the Lord. And we'll find ourselves happy. We'll find ourselves with a merry heart that we can praise and honor and glorify God. Could be that you're here this evening, and you're not a Christian. Why not become one? Why not, through your faith, repent of the sins that you're guilty of? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We'd be glad to baptize you in water for the remission of your sins. He'll save you and add you to the body of saved people. If unfaithful, take advantage of this opportunity. Return to the Lord. Repent of the sins that you may be guilty of. Maybe you've been miserable in life, but now you want to make your life right and be happy. And maybe you've made others miserable as well. Repent of those things. And rejoice in the fact that you can Serve the Lord. Read the book of Philippians over and over. He tells, speaks of rejoicing and joy in spite of being in prison. Can we help you in your obedience? If so, make your way to the front let your wishes be made known as we stand together to sing this hymn. Won't you come, please?